Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Hello, and welcome to Marriage Helper Live. I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Glad to have you with us today. This is a live program where we take callers who can call in, ask questions, make comments, etc. The telephone number here, if you would like to call and talk to us, is 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812. Now, if you wish to speak to us, make sure that when you hear the answer, you press the number 1. That puts you in the queue so your call can be screened, so eventually, hopefully, you can wind up on the air with us. Now, let me talk about something just for a second, if I may. People ask us all the time, is it possible for one person to save a marriage? The answer to that is no and yes. Let me see if I can explain what that means. Obviously, if the other person chooses not to participate, not to cooperate, then one person cannot force him or her to stay in the marriage. I mean, people can try. But when you try to force or manipulate the other person, inevitably, they wind up pulling further away from you and don't want to be around you. So in that sense, no, one person can't save a marriage. But but think about it this way. If nobody's trying to save the marriage, then in all likelihood, it's done. And so at least one person has to be doing that. Now, one person, if he or she is doing the right things, actually stands a pretty strong chance of being able to influence the other person in such a way that he or she will eventually, not immediately usually, but eventually make a decision that they will stay in the marriage. So one person in that sense can save the marriage. It's doing the right things. Now, let me talk about a couple of things very quickly. If you are the person who's wanting to save your marriage, the first thing you need to understand is that everything that you do, I'm talking about everything that you say, every action that you make, even the expression on your face, has an influence on the other person, either good, bad, or indifferent. And so sometimes people get angry, and then they'll do things to hurt the person that's wanting to leave the marriage. And then they all of a sudden feel so penitent, and it's like, I'm so sorry that I hurt you. I really want to save the marriage. Forgive me and stay with me. I mean, we hear that story all the time. As a matter of fact, if you're a regular listener or watcher of this program, you've heard people talk about it on here. Well, I blew up the other night. I did this. I said that. This other thing occurred. And and now we've backed up so far. I don't know if I can salvage that ground and get us back to where we were. The thing to remember, and I'm not trying to beat anybody up for being human. I mean, we all are. We all make our errors. We make our mistakes. But the thing I hope that you remember before you do anything is this. Whatever I'm about to say, whatever I'm about to do, whatever tone of voice I use, whatever volume I use, et cetera, all those kinds of things will affect or have an influence on my spouse that doesn't want to be in the marriage. Do I anticipate that's going to have a good effect or a bad effect? And the second thing is very similar to that, and that's this. Think through it. In other words, think what we call 10-10-10. That's a book that's been written uh, by, uh, let's see, Susie Welch, is that her name? Her last name is Welch, I know that. And you can go to the bookstore and buy it if you wish. It's called 10-10-10. And the basic idea there is this. Before you do anything, ask yourself, how am I going to feel about this in 10 days, 10 months, and 10 years? And so sometimes people do things thinking, well, this is actually going to help, when in the long run, it's not. 
And before you do anything, whatever that thing is that you're going to do, whatever it is that you're contemplating, ask yourself the question, does this have a likelihood of bringing my spouse toward me or does it have a likelihood of pushing my spouse further away from me? And so if you ask yourself that question, sometimes the things that you want to do, you'll end up not doing. In other words, ask yourself this question. What do I expect to accomplish if I do this? And if what you expect to accomplish is not good, then please don't do it. And the final thing, point three, then, is this. Let people help you who know what they're doing. Now, there are a lot of people out there who consider themselves to be marriage experts and give you all kinds of advice, all kinds of things you need to do, including some of your own friends. We recommend that you be very careful about listening to your friends or family because they love you too much. And because they love you so deeply, their advice, their counsel tends to be biased. It's biased toward you and biased against this person who is hurting you. And so seek professionals who really do know what to do. Now, usually that would mean a marriage counselor for most people. But if you're going to seek marriage counseling, really check him or her out thoroughly beforehand. Because it may well be that this person, rather than helping to save your marriage, We'll be doing things that are actually going to cause your marriage to have more problems. And so, <laughs> pardon me. <coughs> I apologize. Had a cold that's been hanging on for a couple of weeks here, and I apologize for coughing in your face. Okay, so that's how we get started today. We're going to start going to some phone calls in a few minutes. And in just a moment, I'll introduce my co-host here, Kimberly Holmes, who is our CEO. And she's with us today. This is Kimberly. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Joe. <laughs> Dr. Bean. <laughs> okay. Kimberly, uh, I know that we're going to announce something during the program. Is mm-hmm. it time to do it now or do you want to wait? Whatever you would like to do. Please tell them about it. So as, as we have been talking about through the beginning of this program, as Joe has been talking about, there's a ton of people, especially in our audience, that want to make their marriage work, but they have a spouse that wants out for whatever reason. And I mean, it can be hard to know what to do. And so you've probably heard us talk about in the past, if you've been listening to the program for any amount of time, that we have a Save My Marriage course, which is based all online. It's a 10-week course. You join it, you go through the weeks, and we teach you in those 10 weeks what, how to know what's really going on in your marriage, how to act and react and interact differently with your spouse, even when they want out, basically teaching you all of the best things that we have seen work with the experience in our work with thousands of couples to get the marriage to be saved, to save the marriage, even when the spouse wants out or to do those things, as Joe was talking about, to give the best potential to your marriage being saved in bringing your spouse back. Up until now, we've only been having that course online, but starting in 2020, because a lot of new things at Marriage Helper are going to be unleashed in 2020, we are going to be having our first ever Save My Marriage course live. Now, here's what that means. We have had the course for about four years now, and we decided it's time to revamp the material. We want to we want to refilm it. We want to add some new things to it. We want to give it a fresh look, a fresh feeling to it. And so we said, why not make it an amazing event where we invite people to be a part of it, to come, to attend for three days, and get the same benefits, the same information, the same amazingness, honestly, that goes with the Save My Marriage course, but add in that in-person live element to it where you'll be able to meet with our team. You'll be able to meet some other people that are going through your same situation that are in the same shoes as you in Nashville, Tennessee. And so we're hosting our first one 
in 2020, March 27th through 29th. Now, right now, registration is only available to people who are currently members of the Save My Marriage course. And so that registration and that first priority seating and the special pricing that is available to people who are members of the Save My Marriage course is available through January 3rd. After January 3rd, we're going to be opening registration to the general public, to people who have not yet purchased the course. And so if you join the Save My Marriage course live and you want to come and attend the event live, and you are not currently a member of the course, then not only will you get a ticket to be able to come to the event, but you will also get access to the course and to the revamped, revised material in the Save My Marriage course after we have the event and after it's filmed and after we've redone the course as well. So you get two awesome things. You get those two. You get to be able to come to the course live event and then you also get access to the course afterwards and to all of the goodies that come with the course after that as well so it's really exciting it's the first time we have done anything like this we're excited to host it we're excited to meet all of the people are going to be coming in. There's already people who are currently members of the course that are, that are coming from Europe. They're coming from Canada. They're coming from all over the United States. I'm excited to be able to meet these people. It's going to be awesome. It will be awesome. Mm-hmm. So is this uh, three full days? Is it a Friday, Saturday? What is that? Yes. So it's going to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I've been completely honest with the people in the course who've been asking me this question. And I've said, this is the first time that we're doing this. So we're still in the, in the end stages of wrapping up what the itinerary is going to look like specifically. But if you're going to be flying in, plan to be here Friday morning and don't plan to leave until later Sunday evening because that's going to give us the most amount of time to be able to do what we want to do, what we need to do to give you the best experience in this Save My Marriage course live. Okay. So when you say Friday morning, then theoretically they should fly in on Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening. Yeah, that's right. And we do have uh... If I remember correctly, we have a way for people to get special rates at uh, local hotels. We do. We have a partner hotel in the area that we work with. So after you join and register for the Save My Marriage Course Live, we'll send you all of the details on how you can get that and and get your hotel room and and different things like that. It is going to be a great event. Now, some people have said... Um, so you're getting together and you're having this, this event, but you're having both men and women. And yes, but we believe that all of you are adults and we believe that you need to know that you should, you know, you're wanting to save your marriage. You're wanting to make your marriage work. So don't intermingle. Don't do those things. Be smart about it. Just like we say in our Facebook groups as well. Don't become super close friends with someone of the opposite sex. That's not going to be helpful to you in the long run for many reasons. So. Right. And so we're going to trust people to have integrity. We're going to trust that. And if somebody operates without integrity, you tell us what's happening and we shall remedy that immediately. Kick them out. Kick them out in Asheville. (laughs) Go home. (laughs) Don't make me laugh. I've got this cold. I I apologize. But it's going to be great. And here's the reason why I would say, even if you've done the Save My Marriage course, that you should try and come to the live event. Because we're going to be making it more of a conference workshop type event. So instead of just, you know, sitting behind your computer screen and learning the material, we're going to be adding into that a relational element of it. There's going to be chances where you're going to be able to 
um, answer questions and, and do some group type things with other people, which is going to be really powerful. So it's going to be a different experience, even if you've already gone through the course and we're revising the material as well. So it's a great chance to see what we're updating and, and the new things that are going to be. If you are interested in coming to the Save My Marriage course live event that we do March 27th through 29th, then we have a text to join the wait list number. You can text 33777 and text the word SMM Live. That's all one word, all uppercase, SMM Live to 33777 and you will join the wait list so that when it does open to the public next week, we will send you information on how you can join, how you can register and how you can be a part of that. Well, I'm excited to be there. Yeah, me too. It's going to be great. <laughs> okay, again, I'm going to laugh here. <clears throat> I apologize for this cold. I've been trying to shake it for a couple of weeks and not doing very well. So if you uh, want to send us all kinds of herbs and medicine, please don't. <laughs> Unless it's elderberry syrup and then send me all of it. Okay. All right. So we have several callers waiting out here. Are we ready to go to call or anything else you'd yeah, like to say about this? Okay, so we're going to go to uh, Matthew in South Dakota. Hi, Matthew. How are you today? Doing well, Dr. Beam. How are you? Hi, Kimberly. Hello. How may we help you, my friend? Well, my question is uh, regarding sex. So uh, I've been trying and unfortunately failing at smart contact. Um, uh, past couple of days have been great. Uh, when my wife and I had an argument the other day, um, she asked, are you okay having a sexless marriage? Which, of course, I'm not. Um, and she claims that it's kind of my past behavior, that kind of acting frat boyish around her. That's the the big turnoff. Uh, she's currently involved with a coworker. Um, as mm -hmm. far as I know, it, it may be only emotional at this point, but it would not surprise me that it's turned physical. Um, so that's her claim is that she uh, could never have sex with me again. Um, mm -hmm. luckily I, 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 well, I should say, unfortunately I revealed my hand, uh, against Kimberly's advice and kind of offered her to, if she were to come to Nashville, um, that I would then grant her the divorce as she wants. She financially, she's kind of in a, in a, in a tight spot. Um, so I'm just wondering through that course, will, I guess, topics of sex, I know will be brought up, but. I guess her issue with me as far as just not finding me attractive because of previous behaviors, um, if that's something that could be covered in that course or, um, or if how, I guess how in depth is that touched on? You're talking about coming to our three day intensive that we do in middle Tennessee. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. We don't talk about sex in that workshop per se. Now, if I'm at that workshop, and I, I try to be at most of them if I possibly can, I don't lead all of the workshops, but I try to be there if possible. I tell people the very first morning that uh, because I am a sexologist, if, have, if they have questions about sex, I'm happy to try to answer those questions during the breaks. And what we do is we just step aside into the next room, and I uh, will listen and try to answer sex questions there. But the three-day intensive itself does not talk about sex directly. Now, don't let that panic you. Because what you really have going on here is not a sex problem. What you have going on here is a relationship problem. 
she's unhappy with you. And part of the reason that she's unhappy with you is because of the fact that she's emotionally connected to another person. I mean, that's what you're telling me here. Yeah. And so for yep. a person in that situation to, to look at a husband such as you and to say, well, we can stay together, but we're never going to have sex again. If I were you, I would just nod my head, say, I understand, and then ignore it. Now, when I say ignore it, I don't mean try to drag her into the bedroom. I don't mean ignore it like that. But don't think about the fact that it's going to last a lifetime because that's not what's talked about here. She's saying to you right now, because of where I am emotionally, I can't get into having sex with you. That's not unusual when a person is in limerence, whether it's just emotional or is already physical. Not unusual at all. Will she think that means forever? Probably. Does that mean forever? No, it doesn't. If you guys can solve the problems, if you can solve the problems that you have in a relationship and fix it, then that will come back. Now, it doesn't come back always instantaneously, but it does come back with time. And so hearing something like that, I know it sounds kind of scary, and I know you're thinking, no, I'm not going to live the rest of my life without sex. But try not to think about it like that. What you're hearing is a person in an emotional situation saying things that will not last. It's going to change one way or the other. So the key here is to try to save the marriage. You know, if she agrees to come to the workshop, that's a good start. And, and uh, if you guys want to ask questions about sex while you're there, I'll do my best to answer. But I'd probably recommend that you're not. If you can solve the problem in the relationship, I think you solve this situation. Kimberly, would you agree or disagree with that? I'm not going to disagree with the sexologist. <laughs> no, I do agree. Even when even when he was talking, I thought, yes, there's a there's a relationship problem. I mean, Joe, you have that saying. Everything that happens inside the bedroom affects what happens outside the bedroom. And everything that happens outside the bedroom affects what happens inside the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's what's yeah. going on here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was talking yeah, about my know. mentor. Mm-hmm. I was just oh, going to say my mentor, so Paul Torrance, taught me that back when I was 18 years old. So I've remembered that now for, what, 20 years? How <laughs> 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 else may we yeah. have uh, no, well, really, that that answers my question. I, I guess my only other comment is, um, I guess behaviors that she uh, was not happy with. You know, this was mm-hmm. back in August when this was, you know, dropped on me. Essentially, the next day, those behaviors stopped, and then it took another two months for me to find out that she was involved with a coworker. So, mm-hmm. it, this makes sense because I figured, you know, changing those behaviors so rapidly, you know, that would mm-hmm. get entice her to stay, but. Um, so it was really interesting when I found you guys and Limerence, you know, three weeks ago, I didn't mm-hmm. know what Limerence meant. So now it makes mm-hmm. complete sense because it's, mm-hmm. it's essentially a checklist of everything my wife is doing. So, mm-hmm. well, all right, my friend, well, you keep doing the right things mm-hmm. and we hope to see you at the workshop. Absolutely. And I think we can help you there. I really do believe that. Mm-hmm. So let's go down to Mississippi and go to Tyrone. Hi, Tyrone. How can may we help you today? Okay. Give me one second. Uh, yes, sir. How are you doing? We're doing well. How are can you? you? Okay. Yes. Can you hear us? Yes, I was calling. Yes, sir. I was calling because in my situation that I'm in right now, um, for a while, my wife, you know, it was a time where I texted another female and she called it, and she was hurt, but she gave me another chance. And then I came back and I mentioned things that I didn't like about her body. I told her I wasn't attracted to her because I wanted her to lose, well, technically her stomach after having a baby and stuff. I wanted her to work on her stomach. 
And that was after her catching me, so that hurt her again. And then about five months later, you know, I text this girl again. Like, she texted me one day I was at work, and I replied, and my wife called it the same day. And now she's at a point where she's telling me I've done everything I could. I've been fighting for the last six months by myself, and you really didn't do anything to change. And now that she's walking away, I now see everything that I had, and I now understand a lot of stuff that she's been telling me during our relationship that I just didn't understand or I didn't take it seriously. She did. Mm. And she's telling me every day that she's done, and there's no hope for this marriage, that she's at her breaking point. She knows when she's done. She can never give herself to me again. You know, Mm. all those types of things, and that's what I'm hearing. And I just don't know if can I do this alone? Because she's really, she's telling me I have no fight left in me. I've been fighting. She doesn't want to try counseling. She doesn't want to go to church. Uh, she doesn't want to do anything with me. She's uh, moving out. We're both going to have to move in separate houses now and pick up these leases to new places. And I just don't know if, you know, all of this is something I could come back from because I did say hurtful things. I did after she caught me the second time I sent her alone. Like, I was under the influence, but I sent her a crazy message saying all type of things that now I can't walk away from Hmm. because I did it in a moment of fear and scared, and I don't know what I was telling myself. I was under the influence, but I did send a long message, and now Mm -hmm. you just like all the words that you said, everything that you told me, I don't think I can ever come back from it. I could never lay down and be with you again. I could, I just can't do it. I'm not happy with you. And I just don't know if I'm able to do this alone. I know I want to, and I'm going to try mm-hmm. with every day. I haven't given her space, honestly. It's been a month since it happened, and every day I've been begging, every day I've been texting and calling and pleading and mm-hmm. trying to do everything. But right. I guess I'm just well, scared right now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're scared. But our first recommendation is stop doing that. Tell them why, Kimberly. Well, those things are pushing her away, but you know that, Tyrone. I mean, you said that you've been doing the the pleading, the begging, the whining at Marriage Helper. We call those push behaviors. And even though our intention is that by doing those things, it would keep our spouse from leaving us, what it does most every time is ends up pushing them away. And that's what's happened here. But there's, I mean, there's something deeper on top of that, Joe, which is that, um, you know, there has been interactions between the two of them that have just been very hurtful. And one of the things that, you know, that Tyrone said that his wife said was, I, I just can't deal with that anymore. Um, I'm sure that, well, I wouldn't say I'm sure, but I'm hoping that Tyrone can see how the things that he would have said of, you know, I want you to change after I'm the one who did something that hurt mm-hmm. you would just lead to deep hurt, deep scars that if that's not gone back and healed over a long period of time, I mean, change that lasts over a long period of time with that, then she probably doesn't feel safe. Right. Emotionally. Right. And that relationship. Right. And so our recommendation is back off Mm -hmm. and, and do all the things that we talk about doing in our online course that we referred to earlier, Mm -hmm. which is become the safe place. You work on yourself. Now, the things that you've said to her, will she instantly get over those? No, no. Can she get over those? The answer is yes. 
My friend, right now, panic and fear is your worst enemy mm-hmm. because it will lead you to do all the wrong things. And so take a deep breath, calm down, and back off. Right now, she's, you said it. She said, I don't have any fight left in me. Then don't stir up any fight. Don't do anything that makes her feel like she's got to make effort. Mm-hmm. At this point, you just be the person you're supposed to be, and you treat her the way you're supposed to treat her when you have access to her. I realize you guys are about to split up and go different ways, but as best you can, be good to her, be gentle, and demonstrate to her that you can be a safe place emotionally. And so right now, the best action for you is to do nothing but be the best you you can be. Mm-hmm. And I know that's hard because people think there's something I can say, something I mm-hmm. can do, but there's no magic. Mm-mm. It's a matter of following the system, and there's just absolutely no magic. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to go to Christina in West Virginia. Hi, Christina. How are you? Hi. Um, I'm okay. I can't complain. Um, thanks. Um, my question is, how do I know whether I should let go? If my husband feels like he's moved on, and he keeps saying, like, let go, but mm-hmm. so are you um, still living you together know, or not? No, he, he has moved out and um, there's a, mm-hmm. a female staying there now and she's expecting a baby with him. And mm-hmm. it feels like, you know, he said he's been done for a long time. And mm-hmm. now, you know, he's ready to move on and he's doing that. Mm-hmm. And has I he filed for divorce know, yet? Yeah, we have. Yes, sir. We have some proceedings. I filed for um, legal separation, but he's Mm -hmm. he's probably going to modify that um, at our first hearing. Mm -hmm. Am I to assume here what you're saying, Christina, is that you still want to save the marriage? Is that correct? I do, but I don't know how to let go enough for him while still hanging on, if that makes any sense. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't want him to feel like I've moved on and, you know, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, please. Well, so, Christina, the the question I had for you is, first, just so I, it clarifies it for me, you said that you filed for separation first. Was that he filed for divorce and then you tried to do less than by doing separation, or did you file first? He had, I definitely had the intention, you know, he had an appointment with a lawyer and I felt like if I filed for separation, that would, you know, protect everyone legally and show him that this is a serious situation. Gotcha. Um, Do you have any communication with each other now? We have a fair bit. Um, He says he wants to stay friends. But okay. he needs he wants boundaries, and I just don't know how to navigate that. And how long I has this been going on? We we've been married fifteen years, oh, wow. and we've had problems at least ten. Um, we are both in the military, and we mm. both had issues, and I've dealt with mine, and he just hasn't, and. I think it all, mm-hmm. you know, he, he wants to run away from everything, but the mm-hmm. situation that he's run to is not good either. Right, right. So I'm worried. I'm worried if I let go, like he keeps saying, that mm-hmm. 
he'll take that as a sign that he should fully move on. Everything's going to be the way he wants it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, Christina, there's a lot here. And if, you know, if I were your coach and in a coaching situation was working through this with you, then we would have an hour or two of things to just hash out and figure out and talk about. But in just such a short amount of time, here's, here's the best thing that I can at least get you with right now. Um, if you have not already, be sure that you look at our YouTube videos and especially the one about smart contact. Now, one of the things that you have said a couple of times is, well, he wants me to let go, but I don't really want to. So where's that balance and how much I let go? He can't really control if you let go in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul of your marriage. That, that's your dedication. That's your commitment. And you don't have to change that. What he probably means and I don't know him, but my assumption, which is, you know, could be hit or miss here. My assumption is that what he's really saying is I need some space right now. And if that is true, then practicing what we teach in smart contact would be the best thing that you can do right now. You say that you have a fair bit of communication right now. My question back to you would be, how is that communication coming? Is it because you're sending him a text message every single day? checking in on him and maybe he's feeling overwhelmed by that or is it that he you know you have a reason to talk if there are reasons that you have to talk what we call in smart contact as managing business items together then i wouldn't stop that but if you're reaching out and unsolicited and if it's not because of business items that you're talking about with each other then i might stop that for a period of time if he is saying that he is wanting a little bit of space or as you're saying what he's actually saying is um, I need you to let go a little bit. That doesn't change what your intentions have to be or what you want your intentions to be. If you want to make the marriage work, keep doing the things that we talk about in this program and in a lot of the videos that we talk about that we know can help save your marriage by doing the smart contact, by working on your pies, all of those types of things will be the best thing that you can do for you so that no matter what happens in your marriage, you feel good about what you have done to possibly save the marriage. But if, even if that doesn't work, give you a better future as well. Right. And if people are interested in knowing more about smart contact, Mm -hmm. if they go to marriagehelper.com, that's Mm -hmm. our website. And in our search engine on the page, look for Mm -hmm. smart contact toolkit, smart contact toolkit. And you can find some great tools there about how to do that. Mm -hmm. Your question was, should I give up hope? My particular and, and I guess I'm prejudiced because I've been working with marriages for a quarter of a century now and have seen so many situations that were, quote, impossible, end quote, work out. And people not only salvage their marriage, but make them good again. And so that contributes to my prejudice. I've seen so many victories over the years. I say that you only give up hope when the other person marries somebody else mm. or one of you, God forbid, were to die. Otherwise, I think there's always hope until mm-hmm. then. But that's up to you. And then we're going to go to Maria in Mexico. Hi, Maria. How are you today? Hi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you guys? We're doing well. Well, um, I am calling because um, September, I am sorry if I have background noise. I'm in Walmart at a coffee shop in Walmart. Anyway, (laughs) um, so in 2017, September 2017, the day before the big earthquake here in Mexico, my earth shook when I found out that my husband was having an affair, and it was with a co-worker. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in the United States just 
from July till December. I did come home for one week back to Mexico um, for his birthday to show him, you know, that he was important to me. And then I continued working up until December. And now Mm -hmm. that I am back in Mexico, my husband tells me that he already made plans for New Year's Eve, which is with Mm -hmm. the the person he's been having an affair with. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how to handle that. I have not done well with my pies or smart contacts. Um, I did lose about 15 pounds while I was in the U.S., um, and but I, I fail with the, the smart contact, and I don't know how to handle it. I mean, a couple days ago when he told me, I, um, I did. I got upset, and everyone else in the family is on vacation. Uh, all the in-laws are with, I mean, all my in-laws, because I don't have any family here in Mexico. All my Mm -hmm. in-laws will be with their in-laws. My mother-in-law is on vacation. And my husband, I'll be alone. And my husband is Mm -hmm. going to be with the other woman. Right. We sleep in the same bed. We are living in the same house. Although he already asked me for a divorce. And he says, I haven't seen them, that he's already filed for the divorce. And here in Mexico... That type of divorce goes to court, and both do not need to agree on having the divorce. Hmm. Okay. And so what is your specific question, Maria? How do I handle this with him going away with the other woman? Okay. How do is I there, approach mm-hmm. it? it I, is there any, I, um, anything you could do that actually would stop it? No, there isn't. Okay, and so basically what you're asking not is about how to stop him from seeing that woman, because if that's what he chooses to do, then obviously he can do it. What I hear you asking is, how am I going to cope? How how am I going to deal with feeling alone on a a special day like New Year's Eve? Is that correct? Is that what you're asking us? That too. (laughs) That too, yeah. Okay. I guess that is the big question, but it's also, you know, like, um, how do you... One of my biggest questions is, how do you uh, not let your spouse think that you are going to tolerate infidelity? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have a thing that we talk about called stops, and those are safeguards that offer protection. And that's different than what most people talk about when they talk about this thing called boundaries, because when they talk about boundaries, people have taken that concept and changed it to ways to control the other person. Here's a boundary. When what they really mean is here's the way I'm going to try to control your behavior. When we talk about stops, safeguards that offer protection is like, okay, is, is there someone who needs protecting physically, intellectually, emotionally, or spiritually? In this case, that would be you. And and then you have to decide, is it worth it to me to build this stop? Because a stop basically says this. If you do that, this is the negative consequence that you're going to reap. Now, you have to decide whether or not you wish to put a stop on this or not. You have to decide, is it important enough for me? I realize it's going to be a miserable night for you. I get that. Unfortunately, all of us during our lives, we'll have miserable lives occasionally. It doesn't mean life is over. It does mean that that evening will be tough. There's no doubt about that. But it doesn't mean that life is over. You have made it through tough nights before. You'll make it through tough nights again. Now, if you decide this is a big enough deal 
this is a big enough deal that I'm going to put a safeguard that offers protection. I'm going to put a stop. Then you could say to him something like this. If you go out with her that night, rather than spending that night with me, this is what's going to happen. This is the negative consequence. But what I'm hearing from you is that he's already filed for divorce. At least that's what he's telling you. That, that while he's still sleeping in your bed, he's making his plans to be away from you, even to the point of disrespecting you and saying, New Year's Eve night, I'm not going to be with you. You'll be all alone. Therefore, I don't know what stop you could create that's going to put a negative consequence that'll make him not do this. What, are you understanding what I'm trying to say here, Kimberly? Mm-hmm. It's like, what else can you do that he hasn't already set up? Mm-hmm. Now, you can do whatever you wish. And you can set some kind of a stop up and put a negative consequence to it. Like, if you do that, I'm going to do blank, whatever blank is. But understand this. Don't make it an idle threat. If mm-hmm. blank is, I'm going to see my attorney, I'm going to divorce, then if that's what you tell him and he violates the stop, that's what you have to do. But are you really ready for that? Is, is this the thing that you want to bring it all to a culmination on, being alone on your Eve? Now, if it is, it is. But if it's like, okay, it hurts, but it's not the thing I want to bring everything to the final point on, then my recommendation is that you deal with the hurt and try your best to do what happens to make that relationship work better. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Any other comments about that? You know, part of what's making it, I think, a bigger deal in Maria's mind is the fact that it's a holiday. Mm-hmm. But if it were any other day, if it were just a night, then while it would be difficult, it would probably not be as difficult. So I would try and, you know, I know it's hard being in that situation, but just tell yourself it's, it's a night there, you know, at the end of the day, it's a Tuesday night. And is it really, as Joe was saying, the hill that I want the marriage to die on the fact that it's a Tuesday night and it just happens to also be New Year's Eve, because if you're going to think long-term about your marriage, that 10, 10, 10 that Joe was talking about at the beginning of the program in 10 years from now, If your marriage can be restored, then will that one night be all of that important? Right. Probably not. And and that's the kind of thing that we were talking about at the very beginning of the program. Mm -hmm. Think about what the consequence is going to be. Think 10, 10, 10. Is this the battle you want to fight? Now, Mm -hmm. if it is, it's your choice. If not, we recommend that you try to just make your way through this and then keep doing the right things, hopefully, to bring the marriage back together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And so now we go to Michigan, and I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. Is it Sine? Yes, it is. Okay. We pronounced Hello. that correctly. Hi, Sine. How may we help you? <laughs> yes. I've been married 13 years. My husband has had four affairs. One produced a child, which I knew mm-hmm. about. And mm-hmm. um, we separated once I knew about the baby. And so now the kids have, our kids have found out about the baby, and it kind of disrupted mm-hmm. the family. But yeah. the thing is, is that my husband tells me he loves us and he wants to be with us, and that these um, relationships was because he didn't feel love. They made him feel love. They uplifted him, but they don't last long. Mm. So we're, like I say, we're in the process of getting a divorce January 16th. And the Mm. last time we spoke, he was saying that he wanted to work it out. But because he apologized for the um, affairs and I didn't react the way he wanted me to react, he wanted mm-hmm. me to forget that it ever happened. And mm-hmm. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. 
And mm-hmm. so we spoke again a second time, and I was like, he keeps saying, to fix this, it's just going to take too much work. So I don't know if mm-hmm. it's him not wanting to put in the work or him not wanting the marriage. <laughs> I am so confused on the things that he's putting out there. Um, mm-hmm. So before I finalize everything, I just want to have clarity that I'm understanding, you know, what his signals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes difficult to know what's motivating or driving another person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the person himself or herself doesn't know. If you were to ask him, okay, four affairs in 13 years, and each time it's because you wanted to feel like somebody loved you, it seems, it seems as if he's seeking something, but then when he thinks he has it, it turns out that he doesn't, mm-hmm. and then he abandons it. And so this man sounds to me like a man that is, I'm not calling him an addict, okay? But it seems to have addictive tendencies. Now, again, I cannot diagnose your husband, and I'm certainly not saying he's an addict. But but if this is what he seeks, and then no, that's not it. And then later he seeks, no, that's not it. Then later he seeks. It, it, he's definitely looking for something that he cannot find. Now, if you choose to forgive him, if you were to choose to take him back, we would recommend that you have some pretty deep conversations about help me understand what you're feeling when those things happen. Help me understand that what sets it up. Because I'll, my imagination, Kimberly, I think I'm going to be right here, is that you're going to find there's some commonality that when this kind of thing happens, it sets him up to have another affair. Then when this kind of thing happens, it may not be the exact same thing, but it's going to be very similar. Mm. When this kind of thing happens, it sets him up another. And so these are the triggers. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, in that sense, if you choose to forgive him and take him back, it's going to take a lot of work where that you guys have a lot of deep conversations, helping him to understand why he's doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But what I heard, Kimberly, is that he doesn't want to do that. Well, it, I mean, it sounds like there's just, it goes back and forth. So mm-hmm. one day it's one thing and one day it's another thing. And that, you know, one of the things that Sine said at the beginning was, I want to know that when, the you know, if with the divorce coming up, that I'm making the right decision, basically based on the signals he's given. And that's what, unfortunately, we can't tell you because we aren't speaking to him. If we were speaking to him, we would right. be able to gain a little bit, a little bit more insight, but I don't think you're going to be able to know unless you ask him. And even if you ask him, if he's not in a place where he can really think about this and be clear headed about it and be honest with himself about it, you may not even then get the answers that you have. But, you know, um, you said that you have kids together. I know that the, that one of the affairs produced another child, but even thinking about, about your children, you know, I'm sure you're considering the well-being of you, of your family in the process that you're going through. And so it's not an easy answer. No, it's not. And if it's going to be resolved, it's mm-hmm. going to take a lot of patience on your part mm-hmm. and, and a lot of work where you guys talk about some things until finally that becomes clear. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes this is where a counselor can really be of great value to you. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting a marriage counselor. I'm suggesting a counselor that can help him understand what is it that motivates him to do these things. And if he can find a counselor that can help him work through that, and a counselor hopefully would let you at least attend some of those sessions, then then this can be resolved. Because mm-hmm. I don't think this has to do with rejecting you. Now, I know it feels that way, and I don't blame you one bit, but I think this is about something that he's trying to find that he himself doesn't even understand, and he's trying to find it in all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. What I really appreciate, though, 
Sine, about what you're doing is you don't sound revengeful. You don't mm-hmm. sound angry. I know you're hurt. I know there's been a lot of pain, but it really sounds like even though there's been a lot of that hurt, that you are really wanting what's best for mm-hmm. him, for you, for your children. And that mm-hmm. I, I appreciate about you. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now we're going to go to Georgia and talk to Miriam. Hi, Miriam. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing well. How may we help you? Yes, I am calling because I've found out about two months ago that my husband has been having an affair, um, which I believe has gone as far as about a whole a year. So he asked me to give him a chance. We'll go to therapy and we'll try to work it out. But I don't know if he ever stopped being in contact with the other person, but he went right back between, this was literally two months ago and between now, and he went back really, really hard. So we're at a point where we still live together. We have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. He tells me he doesn't want a divorce, but he does want to figure out how to move forward, whether it's together or not together. And right, and he doesn't want me to file. And he said, even if I filed, he's not going to sign it. But he's like, he's unable to make make a decision. So the other okay. woman is pushing him to leave me and the kids. And he's like, I, and but his actions are all that he's already chosen her because he's so disrespectful to me as far as not like verbally abusive, but he literally text her in front of me and when I'm in the house mm. he'll step outside and call her on the Christmas day so like his actions are that he's chosen her but he tells me he hasn't he doesn't know what he wants okay what do you want I want to work on this because we've been together since we were I was 21 he was 22 we've been together through this you know 12 years 7 years married but through those times, we, I mean, we've never experienced infidelity before. And this literally happened mm-hmm. when I went back to work this year because I was uh-huh. a stay-at-home mom. And then and he lost a lot of weight, so he was seeking attention that he's never gotten in his life before. I see. So she okay. pretty much gave him what he was looking for. Okay. But, but not enough. Because mm-hmm. he's saying, I don't want you to file for divorce, and if you divorce me, I'm not going to sign it. So this man's in a, in a place of vacillation, right? Vacillating between you and her? Right. Okay. But he's definitely in, right. Yeah. yeah this is, uh, and forgive this sound like a commercial, I don't mean for it to be so, but this is the perfect kind of situation that if you could get him to come with you to our three-day intensive, because our, our three-day intensive workshop, our nine—well, we don't call it nine-one-one anymore. Our marriage helper three-day intensive workshop—it works right. very effectively for people who already are decided that they want out of a marriage. But it works extremely right. well, extremely well with people right. in a situation like your husband. You see, if you could get him to come to the three-day workshop with you, then we will help right. both of you understand how he got to where he is, what's happening, and can show you the path out of this, where that you both can work through this thing, wind up having a good marriage, right. and it could be good for the rest of your lives. Now, I right. hate that you're in this situation, and, and I hate saying, okay, the answer is you come to a three-day workshop, but I think that is the best answer for you here. Kimberly, am I sounding too much like well, a commercial? I don't mean to. 
No, I don't. I mean, I don't think so at all because we, we have seen that work. And if that is an option, that would be the absolute best thing for you to do. You know, Miriam, one of the things you said at the end of, of what you were saying was his actions are showing that he's chosen her, but from everything you were saying, I wouldn't agree with that statement. I don't think his actions show if, I mean, if he had moved out, if he had stopped talking to you, if he didn't want to be around you or the kids, then maybe I would agree with that. But I, I would take some pressure off of you and the things that are happening and maybe try and see it from a different perspective of he hasn't chosen her. He feels maybe an obligation to keep, and maybe there's part of him that wants to keep talking to her. So he's answering the text, but he, I think he respected you enough to walk out of the house to take Mm -hmm. that call on Christmas day, instead of doing it right in front of your face. As Joe was saying, there is a lot of vacillation. And when you can put a person who's questioning and who's looking for answers in a place that's going to give them research-based, experience-based answers like our workshop does, it moves mountains within that person. Mm -hmm. Because once both of you understand why Mm -hmm. this happened, which obviously if we could explain that here in five minutes, we would, Mm -hmm. but it takes a three-day workshop to cover all of these things. But I think that you have a lot of hope here. And as Kimberly said, if if a possibility exists that you can come to the workshop, I strongly recommend that. Mm -hmm. At the very least, at the very least, please call our office. And when you call our office and that telephone number, we'll give it in just a moment here. Sorry for everybody. It's, uh, I can't ever remember that. 866-903-0990. Okay, 866-903-0990. At least call, and if you have a client representative, talk to him or her. If you don't have a client representative, ask for one, and they can help you think through other options as well. But the situation you're describing here is one that, while I know it's extremely painful for you, Mm. this is the kind of what we hear is like, wow, we know how to help this one. We really, we work with all kinds of marriages by the grace of God. Our success rate is three out of four couples, Mm -hmm. no matter what their situation, but particularly in the situation that you're describing, uh, there's a lot of hope this thing can work out. Mm -hmm. It really, really is. And I know it doesn't seem like that to you right now. And now we're going to Iowa and to talk to Mary. Hi, Mary. Hi. How are you? Uh, Thanks for taking, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, Thanks for taking my call. Um, I guess in a nutshell, I'll boil my question down to I'm wanting to know how to thoughtfully respond to a letter, an email that I received from my husband, which very clearly shows that he is um, done a lot of reflecting. He's done individual counseling and has concluded that during this separation that we've had for seven months that there just has been too much hurt, too much history, and he'd hoped that we could, um, that he might miss our life together. There's aspects that he does miss, but in the end, it's not enough for him to want to go forward. He didn't use the word divorce, but it, it was pretty clear. He says, um, I feel sick. I feel sad. I feel defeated. When you can, let's talk about what we do next. And that's where we are. It's, that's been about 10 days ago. Um, brief, very brief background. This is my second marriage. It's his first. Um, we've been together 10 years, married six. I have three children from my first marriage, two adults, one who's a senior in high school. Um, 
and the entire 10 years we were together, we were just dealt uh, three parents with dementia. He's lost both his parents, his dad most recently this June. He, during that um, spring time frame this year, he started an emotional, long distance emotional affair, which was brief with a former friend. It did end, I'm confident of that. And he made plans to move out. His dad died, he had the funeral. It was late 40s. He's kind of had a lot of, um, I think, thoughts mm-hmm. going through his head, especially with dementia. And then the other thing is that he admitted in his letter to me that I hadn't halfway agreed to come to an intensive couples retreat. It's a different program than Marriage Helper, but, but one that has very similar philosophy. And I said, you know, I'd really love for us to do this, even if, regardless of the outcome, a discernment process. He was halfway committed to going, yep, I can do that, and then kind of had a panic, met with his counselor, and that's when he sent that letter, and he admitted in that that for 10 years he's just been very avoidant, that he lets everything around him, he used an analogy of a house burning, that he stays, avoids tension, conflict, everything, lets resentments build, and then hopes that he doesn't have to take action until the house is on fire and he has to run out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's mm-hmm. where we are. And we've had, during that seven-month separation, we had, um, with the exception of the very initial, my first 48 hours of discovering the affair, um, I quickly got on much better health with your your health and another program to Okay. So the, the situation we have weekly here dinners. is you should be trying to, you're thinking you may need to reply to that letter. My recommendation is that here's how you reply to the letter. Now, it's obviously your choice. You do what you think is best. But my recommendation would be this. Yes, I'd be happy to talk, but not necessarily about what the next step is. What I would like to talk about is the letter. And I would like to talk about the pain that you feel from life. So, yes, why don't we sit down together and talk? But that's where we want to start, not what's next, because you've already processed some of that with your counselor. Let's talk about what is now and what has been. And from that, we can have a conversation. And if you'll agree to that, then start. Don't push. Listen a lot. Ask questions. Don't try to convince him that he's wrong. Just listen. And as you listen, try to understand everything that's going on here. Because you're describing a man that's been through loss after loss after loss. And and now he's kind of wondering what's going to happen next. Where should he go? What should he do? And somehow has focused a lot of this loss back on the relationship with you. Now, if the counselor is feeding that, shame on the counselor. Really, if the counselor is feeding that, shame on the counselor. But the thing here would be, this is a good place to talk. And so I would, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being redundant, so forgive me. Yes, happy to talk to you, but not about what we do next. We'll you talk with me. Can we talk about what's happening now and what's happening in the past? I need to understand those things. And if he agrees to that, then ask the questions, listen a lot, try to understand what's going on. And it's kind of interesting if you ask for stories, like, can you, can you, can you tell me a story about your life that helps me understand why you feel that way? If, if that becomes comfortable and he starts sharing those kinds of stories, He's going to start getting ahas into why he feels he, as he does and why he does what he does. And so will you. <laughs> I'm looking at Kimberly, and she and the producer are going back and forth here about something, so I think I caught her <laughs> off guard. Okay. You looked at me, and I just nodded my head. Yes, I agree. You said everything perfect. 
Okay, so then we're going to go over to Texas to Lauren. Hi, Lauren. How are you? I'm good. How are y'all? Fine. Thank you. How may we help you today? Um, I kind of have a two-part question, if that's okay. Okay. We're almost out of time, so make them succinct. Yes, sir. Um, my first question is my, my husband and I have been married for almost a year and a half, and we kind of married fast. Um, three to four months within the marriage, we did find out we were pregnant. We do have almost a five-month-old right now, and we are currently on a break right now in Texas with my family, and he's stationed because he's in the military. He's stationed where his duty is, and my first question is, with having a child so young and early in the marriage, how do you stay positive in your marriage knowing that, you know, that it is, there's going to be changes, but how do you stay positive with it? And then my second question question would be, my second Mm -hmm. question would be, um, it deals with my in-laws. When I first got to meet my husband, my in-laws never really liked me and they still turn out to not really like me. And Mm -hmm. I know it's not, it's not something I should be dwelling on a lot, but my one question is, um, my grandparents, my, not my grandparents, my in-laws did show very, um, very strict um, points that they're only interested in their granddaughter and they they don't mm-hmm. care for their son nor me. And they even mm-hmm. tried pulling grandparents' rights on their granddaughter to try taking her away from my husband and I. And oh. it's gone in between our marriage. And, you know, I love my husband to death and I'm I'm willing to work for our marriage, but... The one thing I, I can't stand is I, I have to protect my daughter. And yes. I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to tell him, you know, I don't want you to pick between your family and I, but I do want you to understand that, you know, they're, they're toxic. They're kind of coming between my marriage, and I'm trying to keep it positive mm-hmm. for him. So what would be mm-hmm, the best mm-hmm. way to come between all this? Both those are really, really good questions. Mm-hmm. Now, the first thing you ask is, okay, how do, how do I help you understand how the baby's going to change things? Interestingly, a lot of marriages have their first crisis with the birth of the first child. Now, I'm going to oversimplify the why, but the why is because of the fact that you change babies. It's what do you mean by that? The, the wife, who now is the mom, has been focusing almost altogether on the husband, and now she focuses almost altogether on the child. And that creates a crisis because the husband's like, well, what happened to me? Why am I not still important to you? And so the real key here is obviously you focus on your child, but don't lose focus on your husband because he's still important, crucial to you. You love him. You want to be with him. You said you love him to death. And so make sure that you understand, yes, things will be different because we have a child, but I'm telling you, I'm still going to give you all the attention that you deserve as my husband. And if at any point you feel like I'm not doing that, please tell me so we can remedy that. And if you can have open conversations about that, be honest with each other, that can work out. When it comes to the parents, Kimberly, you reacted when uh, she said that the grandparents are trying to get the child away from her. Yeah, because that's terrible. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. And I mean, it clarified a little bit when she said that they don't care for the son either. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't, you know, there's issues there for sure. But I, you know, you said your husband, you and your husband are on a break right now. And I don't mean, I don't know if that means because he's stationed somewhere else or if it's an intentional break that the two of you are having, having, but in this instance if he has issues with his parents too then here I mean you're coming alongside of him so I if he were you know a mama's boy and there was a super close relationship you might have to approach it a little bit of a different way because you wouldn't want to come across as disrespectful and you still don't but coming alongside of it and saying you know 
I I want our marriage to be my priority with our with our even with our child, but even with your you know our extended family as well on both of our sides. I want the two of us to be a team, and protect our family and do what is best for our family and especially our daughter. And in this situation, you know, here's what's happening with your mom or your parents, what they're trying to do. How can we be a team on this? What you know, how can I support you with whatever you might need to say to your parents? How can you support me with the way that I feel about this? And approach it as a team aspect. Instead of saying, your parents are crazy. They're trying to take our kid. You know, how can they do this? You need to fix it. That's going to put you on two op- mm-hmm. opposed to each other. That's, That's right. not what you want to do. Correct. Do it the other way. That's excellent, excellent advice. And be careful in the process, no matter how he might be feeling about them. Be mm-hmm. careful not to... Uh, say bad things about them because it's still mom and dad, no matter what Mm -hmm. kind of crappy stuff they do, they're still mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So rather than attacking them, saying negative things about them, talk all together about our family, you, Mm -hmm. me, our baby. And like Kimberly said, make it into a team thing. I thought that was very, very good advice there, Kimberly. Hope that helps you and works out. (laughs) I'm sorry. If you have a way to close out the program. (laughs) We all need to send Joe all the cough medicines and syrups and, and all of that stuff. No, he'll he'll be great in the new year in 2020. Well, hey, we are excited to be having the Save My Marriage course live. Again, those dates are March 27th through 29th of 2020. And you can come to that whether you're a member of the course now or not. But priority registration and uh, is for current Save My Marriage course members. We'll open it to the general public next week. If you want to get notified when that is available, then join the wait list by texting SMM Live. That's all one word, SMM Live, to the number 33777. Again, that is 33777. Text SMM Live. We'll give you a notification when you can join and register for so that. Do those need to be all in uppercase or does it matter? I don't think it matters, but you can go ahead and put them all in uppercase. Won't hurt anything. That's for sure. Okay. We have a lot of exciting things happening in 2020. We'll look forward to sharing those with you as the year goes on. But until then, have a great end to 2019 and we'll see you next year. Okay. I'm trying to figure out how to move this thing out of the way so I can do <laughs> this. The show. Okay.